Welcome to the Nth Degree, where we discuss the latest in trends, technology, and innovation happening in the healthcare and media industry. I'm Justin Freed, joined by my co-host, Amanda Prito, and we're excited to bring you the Nth Degree in a new format that'll help us bring you more content more frequently. So, Amanda, welcome to the newest iteration of the Nth Degree. Excited to have uh, you here with me. I think we wanted to kick things off today, kind of discussing what's been happening and, and what we've been involved in. Amanda, why don't you take us through a little bit of overview of, of kind of the recent conference presence we've had. Hey, Justin, it's so good to be back and welcome back from London. Um, so I was prepared for today to talk about where we've been. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, where have we not been? Um, it has been a busy, busy few weeks, but really awesome. As you know, we're kind of like in this world of virtual events and in-person events again. So in October, we had three panels at Advertising Week in New York. Um, they were really unique. Um, I didn't get to go myself, but we had a crew there. It's been a while since I've been. So one of our topics um, was really interesting, hype and what we can learn from sneaker culture. You know about this. Who better? And then our in-house expert, Mark Pappas, who is also a sneakerhead and loves innovation, um, he spoke on what we can learn from that industry. And you might not make the connection right away, but it's brand authenticity. It's meeting your clients and your customers where they are. It's being a step ahead of what's creative, what's hot, and knowing it before the masses do, and then creating something really cool that everybody loves. So I think there's a lot that can apply to pharma marketing that you can learn from a shoe. Who knew? Um, what else? We had our own Amy Litt, who we're going to be speaking with later today um, on a panel with Julie Hurwitz Aliaga, and they were speaking about um, putting inclusivity into practice. So this was a unique, I'll say, informative, informational, also inspirational topic. Um, what, what should employers be thinking about? What do companies need to know when it comes to not just DE&I, but um, letting your people show up as their whole selves, making sure they feel represented and making sure that that's not just a superficial thing that's written in the handbook, right? But that you're doing things actionable every single day to make that real for them. So I know that um, ERGs, employee resource groups, were a huge part of that panel and why they're so important. Um, employee resource groups, for anyone who doesn't know, are employee-read task forces, if you will, that are dedicated to um, certain aspects, certain communities, certain important societal things um, that make that community feel happen within an agency or an organization. I'm proud to say that CMI Media Group and Compass have seven active ERGs, and I know there are a few more on the horizon for 2023. And a little plug for her story, because I am a co-lead of her story, which is dedicated to the empowerment of women. So go her story. And then we also, last but not least, um, opportunities for people with disabilities. So I learned that one in four people have a disability and most likely everyone is touched in some way or connected to a disability by someone they you know, love or care about. Um, so this was you know, how employees and organizations can flip that story to be something of a strength and not a weakness. And we know talent is at a premium and there is this mass of people who would bring ingenuity and creativity and fresh thinking and probably, you know, talent that you're not even thinking about um, who haven't been tapped and should be. So 
again, my favorite type of session to sit through is one that makes my heart and my brain work. And I feel like all three of those did. It was really incredible. Yeah, it sounds like not only did we have a great present there, but it sounds like a lot of great quality content um, just for the masses that were listening. Um, so the conferences didn't stop there over the last couple of weeks and months. I personally had the chance to attend Dreamforce um, in San Francisco. So it was a, a very interesting conference to attend as it was not specifically re related to either media or uh, the pharmaceutical space. But as we know, technology is kind of uh, the bedrock that supports a lot of what we do. Um, we met with our, our partners at Salesforce that helped us build um, different applications and got to learn a lot about where they're kind of um, seeing the future go with, you know, modular based development or low code or no code um, based development. And we have some strategic discussions set up to follow um, that are going to help continue to bring our industry leading tools such as Proact and Empower kind of to life bigger and, and better. The other unique thing that I learned um, about just the Salesforce culture is the uh, I think we'll call it that that the there is a very vocal and dedicated fan base of Salesforce uh, approach to marketing. So for those of you that do not know, each of their different um, uh, platforms actually have an assigned character, um, and these different characters are very cartoony. Um, and um, are, are different animals that you would see around the jungle or in a forest. Um, so there was a new platform that, that has been kind of at the top of it called Genie. Um, and there was a new Genie uh, animal that was made available. And you saw a lot of people actually um, uh, going across the conference, almost doing a scavenger hunt to get a hold of one of these um, as my son would say, a stuffy or a stuffed animal. Um, so that was really interesting to see just how ingrained their company is in, in almost a way of life that you see similar to like Pokemon or anime or things like that. So definitely an interesting way of creating um, a connection to the brand that some of us um, would never think of, uh, especially for a bunch of, you know, tech people. But pretty cool nonetheless. Um, we learned a lot and got a lot of follow-ups coming up. Um, the other thing that I got to attend was Digital Pharma East or DPE. Um, and so having gone last year when it was kind of DPE light, I'll call it, um, this was the first year post-pandemic I felt that uh, DPE was back. I think there was over 1,200 attendees live in Philadelphia. Um, and I got to see people I hadn't seen in, in multiple years due to the pandemic, whether it was vendors or clients or former colleagues that used to come to the office. Um, Got to see a lot of those folks in person. And there's obviously a lot of things happening in our industry um, with like the loss of cookies. Um, or, well, if Google ever actually takes them away, right? Um, or if they keep pushing them out. Um, um, kind of the, the explosion of omni-channel and the tech and data and orchestration that supports it. Um, and, and then the change in privacy, right? We obviously have GDPR in Europe, um, but we now have certain states um, rolling out their own specific type of legislation that will dictate what type of data can be used from a targeting perspective. So those are kind of the three big themes that we saw throughout the, presen uh, the presentations. I did get to actually sit on two panels, which was awesome. Um, one was about outcome-based marketing, where it was really talking about how we measure success. So how do we go and actually look at more than just, hey, we targeted these people, we had this many scripts, right? And we kind of talked through our thinking of different ways of measuring success for brands and their impact they have on patients' lives. And then the second panel, 
which was actually immediately after that panel. So I actually walked off stage and then walked right back on, um, was about omni-channel execution and kind of what brands can do to take the next step, right? And so it, it, it seemed based on the conversations that we saw at the conferences, you know, there's some kind of, there's, there's some brands that are doing, you know, email and display or email and rep and calling it omni-channel. Then there's brands that are going significantly farther than that, right? Um, and I think that's a lot of where our clients are at now. And it's looking at the individual brand and it's saying, hey, we're connecting addressable media, right? So that's um, paid social, programmatic across, um, um, you know, CTV and display, maybe email, maybe some direct mail, some print, but then also bringing in the rep data, right? And using that to actually orchestrate conversations? How do we evolve and how do we go further than that? One of the things that I really um, enjoyed speaking about, and I know we've done with a couple of our clients, is actually looking across a franchise and executing omni-channel across multiple drugs or multiple indications that maybe you're targeting the same set of doctors or the same set of patients based on um, what they treat. So some really, really good conversations at DPE. I'll say it was exciting to be back. I saw a lot of friends. Um, and, 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 and former colleagues and was glad to have it back. I look forward to kind of, you know, that conference cycle picking back up as we head into 2023. Yeah, it definitely is. Your panels were awesome, Justin. I was Thanks. front row for both of them. I felt the chemistry with you and the other speakers on both was really incredible. Um, I hope it's okay if I drop it here, sharing the word omnidynamics as our new word. I think trademarked by our own Jose Ferreira was like, I felt this like wave go through the room of what does that mean? So I think that more to come on that. I hope we make that a thing. Well, if we can, Amanda, let's let's talk about that real quick. So that's a good point. Um, and, and again, yes, I have to give credit to Jose Ferreira because he coined it in a meeting. I can't take credit for it, though I did. I am going to take credit for uh, making it famous. Um, so, so, you know, as I mentioned, we were talking about kind of what's next in omni-channel marketing. Right. And I think where we are at today is, yeah, we're, we're able to do different type. Uh, we're use, able to use different uh, triggers to sequence messaging. Right. And that messaging doesn't have to be media where we're focused. It can be from a rep. It can be from a phone call. It can be whatever it is. But the message needs to follow suit. Right. And um, what we have been able to do through our partnership with within WPP is connect that media engine right, to deliver the omni-channel message, but to also connect a DCO platform or a dynamic content optimization platform. You also would hear modular content <clears throat> can be applied to this as well. So being able to actually say, okay, Dr. Jane Smith, she just interacted with this specific message on this specific channel. Now we send, create a completely customized and dynamic piece of creative that can serve her the most relevant ad. And so being able to connect those really is kind of game changing and something that we're starting to introduce um, to, to many of our kind of more innovative clients that are interested in, in kind of pushing their omni-channel efforts to the next level. So good call out there, Amanda, and definitely something we're looking forward to bringing probably an nth degree specifically about, and, uh, and we'll make sure Jose's uh, here speaking with us on that. I can't wait, I'll be there. I guess to round out our conference presence, the bigger ones, we were at Pennsylvania Conference for Women again. Um, again, amazing to be back there, do that in person. There were about 30 to 40 of us from across CMI Media Group and Compass. Um, very inspirational. So the theme was reset, renew, reconnect. I feel like we did all of that 
not I, I saw colleagues that we haven't seen in a couple of years and you know bumped into a few old friends too so that was awesome Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin I mean could it get any better I felt like I was having brunch with girlfriends it was incredible um but really the theme there again was how do we reset how do we renew and how do we reconnect now um I was actually on a call with Susan Dorfman yesterday president and CM and CMO of CMI Media Group, and um, we were talking about like these worlds we're now toggling, the virtual world we're living in and the in-person world and how we're like, it's like the new work-life harmony we're trying to figure out, but we've dedicated and devoted ourselves and made all these commitments now virtually, and we're trying to figure out how we're doing it back in person too, and it's all like kind of coming together. We were just talking about how she's been all, all over the world um, and how we make sure we keep filling our own cups too. So yeah, again, very absolutely. inspirational. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So cool. Amanda, now we get to the exciting parts. Um, we're going to actually jump into uh, our discussion around the inclusive media center of excellence. Um, so we're going to bring a couple guests uh, onto the show with us, which we're super excited to have here. Um, we're going to be joined by Igbawe Pella. He's an SVP group media lead. Amy Litt, our VP of Communications Planning, and Laurel Weber, our Senior Media Planner. So Justin, I was thinking about, um, it's been about seven months exactly, almost to the day since we officially announced our Inclusive Media Center of Excellence. Um, but I know it's something you had been thinking about for years prior to the official launch and the establishment. I feel like it started with you and a couple of people with this idea that this is an area of focus that our clients need to be thinking about very strategically and, and early on in media planning. So kudos, we're almost at that official year mark of being um, in official establishment. But do you want to talk a little bit about how we got here and how the idea came to be? Amanda, you hit the nail on the head there. This is something that we've been thinking about um, for quite some time. So I think it, you know, if, if you had paid attention to kind of anything going on uh, in the world over the past couple of years that you realize there are inequities in a lot of what we, we have in our daily lives. And healthcare is one of those spaces where um, there are certain demographic groups, certain people with disabilities, certain ethnicities, certain uh, income levels that do cause those disparities and what people are actually able to get when it comes to healthcare. Um, you know, at, at CMI Media Group and Compass, we are fortunate enough to have uh, a lot of power to potentially influence um, access to healthcare and information. And we can do that through over a billion dollars in media spend. So as this was kind of things were going on in the world and we're on the outside looking in, you know, we're saying, how can we potentially do better? Um, I also went through some things in my personal life. Um, I am personally in a, uh, an interracial relationship. Um, and have a son with a unique genetic disease um, that is specific to, you know, his ethnic background. Um, so as we went through to look for information, um, we really found some disparities and inequities in the content and the information that was available um, to us just as a general consumer trying to figure out what the heck is going on um, with, with his health. So um, that kind of was the kick in the butt that I needed to say, hey, let's go push forward and let's do something. And thankfully, as you know, myself and, and Susan Dorfman, our CEO and president and others involved with this, put feelers out. There were so many passionate people in our organization that said they want to help. Uh, we were actually, one of the things 
Um, Egg and I go way back for many years, and Egg, who's going to come on here in a minute, when I actually spoke to him about potentially coming back to us at, at CMI, um, you know, this was one of the motivating factors for him to get involved in something like this, right? So it's really cool to see people um, want to do more than just come in and, and get a paycheck. It's actually making a difference. And I know we're not saving lives here with media, but we are a key component in connecting people to information about their health. So that's kind of the ground floor of, of how we got there seven months ago. Um, but now we're making an impact. There's a bunch of passionate people like Egg, like Amy, like Laurel, who you're going to hear from today, that are actually bringing this to life for our clients. So with that, let's dive in and let the experts uh, kind of give their, their POVs here. So Amy, I'm going to look at you first here. So Amy um, has been with us for over six months. She's on our communications planning team. She's phenomenal, super, super bright, um, bringing a lot of great insights and strategic direction to our clients. Um, and Amy, so we want to use data intentionally, right, to make sure that the different segments you're creating, the different audiences you're finding, have an inclusivity lens on them and to make sure that that is getting pulled through to our media plans. So how are you making sure that the IMCOE is getting pulled through and is part of your process? So Justin, as marketers, we are effectively in the business of behavior change, right? Like we are trying to get someone to do something different and fundamentally the only way you can effectively consensually do that is by understanding what drives their behavior. You know, who are they? How do they move through the world? What are their needs, their barriers, the biases that they face, the biases that they have? And so while I believe that comms planning and serious audience insights is imperative for all marketing and any campaign that we launch, when it comes to inclusive media, it is absolutely imperative, effectively by definition, right? We are doing inclusive media because we are speaking to groups, however euphemistically we might want to describe them as cross-cultural or marginalized. They have been excluded from healthcare, from marketing, from broader considerations. So what I do when either a client comes to my account team or I am working within a group and see an opportunity, it's to use data to layer the quant and the qual to really understand not just how someone is behaving with media, but why and what they want so that we can meet that need at exactly the right time in the right place. So at CMI, we have an incredible wealth of data on the quantitative side of understanding any group and where they're going, for how long, specifically what publishers, channels, et cetera. Um, we also have great stuff in black and white that just can tell us, do they trust pharma marketing on that channel? What else are they doing on that channel? And then we can layer on top of that all of this beautiful qualitative stuff. You know, I love a verbatim. I love a Gottman Institute public policy paper. I love digging into the, the real drivers, barriers, the human experience that um, encompasses someone's media behavior, because they are so much more than just the time that they're spending in front of a TV or a newspaper. And through that, we really understand not just where someone is going, but the discourse they're having, the tone of conversations around healthcare and other important factors in their lives. And so through that really robust research with this wonderful multidisciplinary team, comms planning is able to package all of that up and maybe find some really interesting insights of, all right, well, this group of people spends a lot of time watching live sports. 
uh, and they don't trust pharma ads, but they do trust aspirational leaders within um, you know, major American sports. So I can pass that on to somebody like Laurel and Egg and be like, well, I think, I think this might lead us somewhere really valuable. And they, with their expertise, can then take it to the right suppliers, provide their own insights, you know, pull in the creative AOR. And when we're really working at the height of our powers for inclusive media or really any planning, we can have the opportunity to use all that data to get in front of the right person at the right time with the right message and make it so resonant that it actually does drive that behavior change. Amy, thank you so much for taking us into a little bit of your world and giving us a view into the strategic process that you go through. I know we've had some conversations and it's really around, to your point, um, this person is more than just what they're doing online or, or this data point. Um, we're taking this really sophisticated kind of method and understanding their, their very human story. So thanks for doing that and taking us down that, that road. Laurel. Weber, welcome back to the Nth Degree. It's been a while. I'm so happy to, to have you here again. It's been Thank about you. a year, um, but we had a conversation with you that touched on you know, a similar topic. It was more specific to the LGBTQ community, but again, in the vein of inclusive media. So you are now on the media planning side at CMI Media Group. You have been deep in planning for 2023. I think you're probably like at the end of that process now. And I would love to hear from you what the conversations sound like, what you were able to understand, educate, um, the type of conversations you had with our clients. How are they thinking about this? How are they implementing it? Are we seeing action? Yeah, so I actually want to start with how I got here, uh, if that's okay. So like you said, I when I did the previous nth degree, I was on the marketing team. I actually worked under you. I know you know that, but I'm sure the audiences might not know that um, as a marketer. And I transitioned to media January, um, I had started our LGBTQ ERG called PLUS here at CMI Media Group and Compass, and it became really evident that there were so many ways to kind of incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion into things that we do as an agency, as Justin was speaking about earlier um, from when we started the Inclusive Media Center of Excellence. So like you mentioned, for our first planning season, it's been awesome to work on this Inclusive Media Center of Excellence because we're every day uncovering opportunities to better serve these minority um, communities and improve the health outcomes. So I think like to pull some, some just facts in uh, as a reference point, you know, as we're working through these plans on different indications and different drugs, for example, you know, the Latinx community disproportionately affected by diabetes and they're just not getting the help that they need. So that's, you know, guidance that we're able to give our clients, the black community, um, suffering in silence from severe plaque psoriasis. They're not seeing themselves in advertising and they're confused about their condition. Um, and I've said it before, it's kind of twofold, but it's in reality, I guess, seven, eight, ninefold. You know, we want to make sure that um, these communities are being represented in advertising and in media, but the, the second or the ninth or the tenth fold is making sure that they're, you know, getting the messages and receiving the messages as they want to receive them and as they can receive them. And I guess that's kind of where our Inclusive Media Center of Excellence really comes in, which is using the data and the insights and the partnerships to improve the health outcomes across the board. So that's what we're working on as, as planning season has you know, begun. And now we're kind of deep into it, making sure that we're able to communicate these insights and you know, our capabilities to our clients you know, as, as they're moving forward for their 2023 plans. Yeah, I really love that. I mean, as long as any of us have been in marketing or communications, I think the, the mantra has always been 
personalized messaging. I think this is just a very more important, more relevant, um, and to your point, actionable way to really put that mantra into practice. So I'm really proud of you. I'm, I'm so happy to hear the work you're doing. It's been um, awesome. It's really a privilege to, to work with this team and, and work at this agency on something uh, so meaningful. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you, Laurel. I am so pleased to welcome Ifawe Pela to the nth degree. Egg, I'm so happy to have you back and to have you part of the conversation um, leading us in media with your focus on the Inclusive Media Center of Excellence and all the work you're doing to make this more than media, but about personal and really human connections. So I know you're very passionate about this topic. You're also brilliant when it comes to strategic media planning. So what's going on in your day to day lately? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as Laurel talked about being in the in the throes of media planning season now, um, and we're starting to have some of these conversations around inclusive media with various clients, one of the things that we hear is we're not being exclusive. And one of the things I like to say is, although you're not being exclusive, doesn't mean you're necessarily being inclusive, right? Well, we've seen stats that show that the Black community is 14% of our population, but get get about 1% of the media um, um, impression share that's going out there. The white community is about 63% of our population and get about 95%. Asian is about 5% of the population and get less than 1%. Hispanic, again, you see the same thing, about 14% of our um, population and get about 3% of the media share. So just because you're in media and we're in digital media and you're doing these various things, doesn't mean we're necessarily reaching the people that we need to reach with this important messaging. So um, that is one thing that is extremely important for this group, just to gut check what we're actually doing and make sure that the media that we're putting in market is actually equitable. Um, additionally, reaching HCPs is, is such an important thing for what we do. I think it's easy to talk about what we're doing on the consumer side, making sure that we're reaching the audience and sharing the stories and making sure we see ourselves in media. But same on the HCP side, there are um, uh, HCPs from all types of backgrounds, right? So it's important for us to show them in the ads as well. Additionally, it's important for us to share with HCPs that are in these communities the stories of these communities, right? What comorbidity, comorbidities are they seeing? Are they facing? Are these ethnic groups that they are treating? Um, and, and it, what's important to them, right? So just making sure that we're also getting this educational messages to the HCP so that they can treat their patient populations accordingly. I know one of the other aspects that you've been focused on is the partnership side of things, right? And, and so at CMI Media Group and Compass, you know, our partnership with suppliers is one of the big advantages we bring to our clients, but we also can bring some big advantages to the people we're communicating to. So how are we approaching inclusivity and diversity with our partnerships um, and through our supplier partners? Yeah, so great question. So um, primarily twofold right now. So first, we have identified uh, uh, diverse and minority-owned businesses, right? And so looking for opportunities to continue to partner with um, owned entities of various minorities and cross-cultural groups. And so that enables us to have additional thinking, additional partnerships that kind of help spearhead the whole diverse initiative. Um, and then the second part is making sure that we're able to focus on the communities that um, that we're looking to target, right? So um, defining partnerships and partners that have the ability to identify these audience, whether it be Black, Asian, LGBTQ+, women, so forth and so on. Um, depending on the disease state is, is really what's going to help us determine 
whether an audience is is uh, an underserved audience, right? And so we've worked with uh, disease states that typically look at women, right? So we talked about the infertility and some of those things. In that disease state, the men actually are the underserved population, right? Those are, that's a whole population that we don't really speak to when it comes to um, uh, marital infertility, right? And so with something like that, we're looking to identify audiences that can reach men in, in certain areas. So depending on the disease state, depending on what we're looking for, we're trying to carve out specific partnership and specific audiences that are going to help us reach these audience, reach our targets. In addition, we want to start developing more and more strategic relationships that's really going to help us identify these audiences quickly and get them into market um, a little bit more seamlessly. Um, to date, it's been a hodgepodge of which partnerships can do what, who can do what. So one of the things that this group is really looking to do is to identify some really quick wins to say, hey, we have an Asian population or we have an, uh, um, HCPs that are looking to reach Hispanics. How and what partners could be um, quickly identified to get something in market so we don't have to go through three, four or five months of, of, of data and looking through all the things under the hood that we can really just speak to some of these partners and get some really quick wins and go to market real, um, pretty quickly to reach some of our audiences and get these messages to both HCPs and consumers. Really excellent points, Egg. Thanks so much. Amy, Egg, Laurel, thank you so much for being here for this important conversation that obviously can no longer be ignored and CMI Media Group and our, our clients are certainly not ignoring it. Thank you for all the action you've taken. Kudos to the Inclusive Media Center of Excellence and you too, Justin, for, for making this happen. Thank you.